Hello friends, you're with Love of Learning, a show focused on transforming the world through education and self-education. My name is Dejan Stanchev and I'm your host today. This year, virtual schooling and homeschooling of some type have become a reality for a huge number of families all over the world. All the information and available options can be very intimidating and confusing for each one of us. However, how do we choose the best for our family and what are the basics to start? Today, our special guest is Belkis Keith. She is from the USA and has over 25 years experience of homeschooling her two kids. I would say what an amazing achievement. She's also a certified doula and has helped women through a significant health-related experiences such as childbirth and miscarriages. Uh, hi, Belkis, and thank you for being with us today. Hello, Diane. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for your time. And if I can start with my basic question is, what made you choose homeschooling for both your kids from day one? And how did you start this wonderful journey? So, yes. Um, several years ago, it's been over 26 years, um, when we decided to start our family, um, we had already made a decision that we wanted to do something different, that we wanted to be a part of the everyday learning of our children and how um, the world around them would impact them. Um, certainly, we didn't do it out of a sense of isolation by any means. It was on the contrary to be able to um, impact them in a in a more specific way, in in a more realistic way, not just um, them being in a classroom <clears throat> for eight hours a day. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and so we found out through different friends uh, a community that they had already been homeschooling, and um, it's such a, a diverse community. But in that time, we basically just stuck to a small organization and, and I had a lot of information from others that went before me um, at the time. Some of, most of the information was limited, but we did decide um, that that was gonna be the best for our family. We, I wanted to be able to share in the everyday uh, aha moments that my children would have. And um, just like when you're excited to watch them eat uh, for the first time by themselves or walk, take their first steps, and stuff like that. So um, I really wanted to be able to do that. And and not to, to have a different type of um, opportunities for them instead of just what was already um, the organized way of schooling. Um, we saw that there were, there were gonna be more benefits down the road that way. So that's why we decided. So this was pretty much over 26 years ago. So it sounds like homeschooling is much more often than public education. Is that right? Uh, for, um, I'm sorry. Home, homeschooling your children has much better benefit for your children. In... Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. the benefits definitely outweigh. Um, it's, to some people, it can be a scary um, subject to, to breach. But um, now, <laughs> the comparison of homeschooling these many years later as to what was you know, over 25 years ago is, is a huge difference. There's so much more out there that it can be very overwhelming, the amount of options that you can find. Um, but the benefits uh, definitely outweigh um, because the one of the main things is the pressure that the children go through, not just peer pressure among their 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 um, peers, among, among other children and the, their classmates, but also 
the, the time pressure that is put on them in a school setting. Um, obviously, I'm speaking from experience in the United States. It's totally, I'm sure it's different in many countries, but the majority is, you know, uh, at least six to seven hours of 45 minutes to an hour subjects and they're sitting in their classrooms, they're sitting in their desks, and you know they have to have routine, they have to have order, and which is totally understandable, but it's, it's all or nothing. It's everybody at the same pace, and if somebody is behind, then I'm so sorry, they have to catch up. And if somebody is too bored, and they're like, I already know this, I already know this, it's a waste of time, um, then they're kind of lagging behind their potential. So there's several advantages really um, to be able to homeschool. That's very interesting. Um, with, with your great experience in homeschooling, could you define the main types of homeschooling? Yes. So, um, and there might be more um, aside from this group, but the main types are a traditional homeschooling where <clears throat> um, families basically choose to bring what they're doing in schools to do it at home. That's what they say, homeschooling. Um, basically, they just get the curriculum that's offered by the school or at that grade level, and they just do exactly what they were going to do in classroom setting at home. So it's just following, like if they were a teacher directly, just like that in a classroom setting. Um, road schooling is another um, popular one now because many families have decided to travel. Uh, from for different reasons. Maybe uh, here in the United States, there's uh, traveling nurses. So nurses that get paid, they're, they're registered nurses and they get paid to go to another state and they'll say, we'll pay you three times your salary to be here for the next two months. And so instead of leaving your family behind, many, many families have found, let's get an RV or let's find an apartment we can rent and, and let's homeschool the kids. So that's more like road schooling. And in our case, for example, we, we also have an RV and we full-time, which is a recreational vehicle. And so we travel along the United States for many reasons, for visiting, for um, learning and culture and different things uh, and the history of the United States. And we just travel along. So we call it road schooling <laughs> instead of homeschooling. Um, there's also world schooling, which is also... Uh, it's more uh, families that have like a nomadic lifestyle um, for traveling purposes. For for example, if, if um, the parents work online or they have a corporate type of situation that they can connect to the internet and, and have that kind of work, then they, they're, they're not forced to stay in one specific place. So they would like to travel. So many families have done that to travel around Europe or Asia. And um, they take that opportunity to teach culture, the rich culture and history of the many different countries. Um, another popular one is uh, unschooling, um, which means basically <laughs> it's very child uh, decided. So the, the child decides what I want to learn today. It's, it's more, it's definitely less formal. Um, and some people can say it's, it's a little bit more judged by many circles because if the child doesn't want to learn math until he's 13, then, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work very well realistically, practically, but there are many families that have chosen to take that route and their children eventually learn what they need to learn and they're successful. 
Um, so it, it just depends, but that is available in some areas. I like um, the also, homeschooling. I like yes. the unschooling, unschooling, unschooling. Yeah. Unschooling, yes, yes. And it can happen, but um, a huge thing that I have um, heard comments from other families that have tried that and they've kind of you know, decided to do it a little bit differently is the lack of structure. And uh, there, there is a need for children to have boundaries. Um, they need to know how far certain some things can go. They need to know that there is uh, beauty in order, that there's a reason to have order in organization, um, that life doesn't have to be chaotic. <laughs> um, but it can be flexible. You know, you can be creative. You can still be open and, and free and fun, but with a certain form of order. Um, because it is beneficial for the children, especially at a very young age, to know what their limitations are. Um, so also eclectic schooling, which is uh, my favorite. I, I, I started out on one spectrum. <laughs> I've, gone, I've, I've tried several different methods, but eclectic is basically what it means. A little bit of this, a little bit of this, and you, know, you take from different curriculums, uh, I, I, I like this math better because it has it has a better flow for my child. I, I love this science better because I, we get down and dirty. We get with the soil. We do experiments. We make volcanoes. We dissect animals, whatever. Um, and and I like to learn history this way. And it, so there's it's a little bit of everything. That's what eclectic is. Um, now, one that is very, very popular and successful as well is classical education. And we've also done that. I actually taught it for a while in a cooperative setting with other students. And it's definitely a beautiful, beautiful way to teach. Um, it has three main stages that they believe is the, the grammar stage, which is the, you know, like preschool through elementary. And then there's the logic stage which is more among the middle school, uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. And then there's the rhetoric stage, which is eighth through high school through graduation. So the premise with that, they call it the trivium. And the premise with that is at the beginning, when they're little, they're like sponges. So you just repetition, repetition, lots of information, and they just absorb, absorb, absorb. Then in the middle school section is um, more of, they start analyzing they start, wait a minute, and they start kind of argumentative, kind of, why is it like that? And, but why about this? And what about that? And, and so they start processing all the information that they've learned. And then in high school is um, the rhetoric, which is they debate it. They can communicate efficiently uh, uh, they can, and eloquently with good vocabulary from everything that they learned. They can give presentations, they can discuss, and they can teach back. And that's when you know that they've mastered something. So it's definitely a beautiful uh, uh, form of schooling, but it is it is more time consuming and it is more formal. There does have to be a certain rigidity to it, but a lot of children enjoy it because they know what to expect. They know how to study it. And it's something that's done also in a group setting uh, once a week through a co-op. So it's a beautiful, beautiful way to do it too. But Again, we'll discuss the, the types of children <laughs> after. Um, then there's two more, the Montessori, which is child-centered. Uh, it's an approach that is curiosity for the children, but they have different little activity settings. And um, they, if they, you could say, we're going to do art 
and so you have the different art settings and they can say oh we want we want to play with this we want to do this it's more of a hands-on learning then they have a little science activity center then they have a math activity center and a reading activity center so it's all about that and it grows as they get older and older and older um, so it's more hands-on not a lot of sit-down work and with a pencil and a paper and then um, there are unit studies as well which means it's more thematic you take a specific theme for the year like for example i i can say i would like to learn everything about u.s history united states history and so this year we're only going to study anything that has to do with that so we we go to museums that have to do with that we read books uh fictional and non-fictional uh we learn about how they did math back then and um, you know, everything revolves around that theme for the entire year. Um, so it's the same thing with world history, or if we want to pick a country and we're, we're going to do Europe or we're going to do the UK. And so you learn everything there is to learn about that. So it's, it's definitely lots of fun. A lot of kids like that. And many families that have um, several children, more than two kids, they really enjoy doing the unit studies because they have found that um, even though one is 12 years old and one is five years old, guess what? We can learn the same things, but you just, on their level, on the five-year-old level, you just say, okay, instead of doing the, the map with the details and all the intricacies that the 12-year-old would do, the, the five-year-old gets to, you know, uh, do it with space with his hand paintings or he can color the flag or you know different things so you just it's your creativity but you're still teaching the same things the same courses except on the two little levels and if you have more children you it's a lot easier so a lot of a lot of families that i have very very good friends that have several children they've decided to go that way sounds a very good approach <laughs> So that's basically those are the those are the the main types of uh, options. Thanks, thank you. And uh, which are your favorite subjects uh, that you teach your children outside of the curriculum? So outside of the necessities, right? Outside of the regular, there's you know languages, um, music, art. Um, so obviously, for me, it's more Spanish, you know, because of my my background. Um, but we just like, since we love to travel and we love to learn about other countries, I just love to pour into everything else, a whole bunch of different cultures and how the people truly live and their beliefs and their values and their economy, um, things like that. So we, we pour a lot into that and we, when we can, because now with COVID, obviously, um, we can't do field trips. So we can't do museums, we can't do things like that until everything clears up. <laughs> but normally we're very busy um, doing stuff like that. So we, we try to look forward to Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, we try to get most of our work done, our school work and, and those things. And then on Fridays, we keep it for um, having fun, you know, doing fun things outside. So, so basically you, you have your homeschooling time Monday to Thursday and you keep it like five, six hours a day maximum? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes one of the biggest things that we learn also is to be flexibly firm. You know, you have to be 
um, open to life. Life happens, right, when you're at home. And other things may need uh, an attention right away. Um, something might happen that it needs to be attended to right away. So if I need to do something that requires me being out of the house or something, then guess what? You could take your math book with you. You already know what the lesson is and you can be working on it while I'm driving and doing this. Or you can do reading or you can do, uh, it basically a lot of it is the reading <laughs> when, you know, that's very important, but they can do that anywhere. And now with a tablet and the iPad and, you know, the phone, <laughs> yeah. there's no reason, you know, you can be very mobile. It, it looks like in homeschooling, children have much more time for themselves. And in the yes. same time, they spend time with their parents, which is really yes. good. It's it's definitely what one thing that we've seen, especially this year, that it's it, it is very hard for many families that aren't used to that because this year with COVID and the pandemic, everything going on, um, many families were forced to be in a situation of homeschooling their kids because they had to do the things online, they had to set it up for the teachers and the whole thing, and they had to be home with their kids. They weren't getting up and dropping them off and then seeing them after dinner, you know, for dinner time sometime. And so there was a lot of, of um, difficulty for a lot of families this year here. I don't know how it's been in other places, but um, it's definitely something that you either really enjoy doing or it, it can be something for a season of your life. It, it might not be something that you say, oh, I have my child they're starting um, pre-kindergarten and I'm gonna homeschool until they graduate, 18 years old. <laughs> That's something that we never decided. We always said, you know what? We're gonna evaluate every year. At the, at the end of every year, we're gonna reevaluate and say, this is how it went. This is what we all learned. This is how we can change it for next year. This is what we would like to do. And this is what we to totally do not wanna do. Um, so it's a reevaluation. I always encourage people to reevaluate at the end of every year. Don't think it's a forever thing because it might not be. So what skills we as parents need to have and master to become successful in our homeschooling journey and be okay with uh, homeschooling our children and deal with our anxiety and stress home? Well, definitely, I think, um, and that's a really, really good question. I think the, the main thing first to do is to decide what the reasons are that you're gonna homeschool. What are the motivations and what are the goals? Um, uh, do you have a specific value system that you want to impart on your child? Uh, principles, faith, beliefs that you feel that your child won't receive in a school setting? Um, do you have an educational philosophy about what you want your child to learn or not learn at that time? Um, again, do you have a time limit? Is it for a season of your time? Is it only during elementary school? Is it to help them get through middle school, um, high school, maybe up to graduation to prepare them for university? So these are all questions that have to be answered. Um, are there special family circumstances? You know, is there something that's happening within the family dynamics that the child would need to be home or that you'd have to move away or something happening going on. So all of these things. And are you willing to be flexible? Because not every day is going to be the same. <laughs> every day brings a new challenge. So when it comes to that, after you've, you've gone through those questions, after you've really made this decision and, and confirmed it, and obviously if, if you're with a partner, it's very important that you're both on the same page 
because it's not just one parent teaching. It's not just, uh, let's say, if the husband is the one that's going to work full time or, or one of the partners, and then the other is going to be home and taking the brunt, the full load of homeschooling. Uh, we like to say, well, yes, I'm the teacher, but my husband is the principal of the school. <laughs> He's the director. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, both of us have to be involved. And maybe there's something that one partner has that is more special than the other. And, oh, I want to teach music. We're going to learn music and we're going to not just songs, but get a music curriculum and say, okay, this is how we're going to learn or art or cooking or anything or Spanish or math or chemistry, however it is. Um, but it's something you both have to decide together. Work as a team. And, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, definitely a team. And, and, you know, especially there's many people that think that I don't have a degree. I don't have a master's degree. I don't have a bachelor's degree. I don't have an associate's degree. I never went to university. I'm not a teacher. I'm not qualified. You're a parent. You have a child. You're qualified. Of course. <laughs> You've been, we, we don't realize that we, home, we start homeschooling our children the minute they're born because we teach. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, okay. Um, so there's, there's all of that to go through before you make that decision. And then once you do make the decision, then you just realize, okay, this is how we're going to start. And it's a lot of um, learning, um, like errors. You, you commit, you make a mistake. Well, you know what? We're not going to do that next time. And you start over. <laughs> so um, it's, it's not as hard as a lot of people think. Um, you can make it very complicated. But it is, is something that if you have the love of your children and you want the best for them, and, and you think that you can have this commitment in, in this area of your life, then I would suggest go for it. Okay, maybe the most common concern, concern regarding homeschooling is the social emotional development. How do we find enough social interactions and engagements with other children? Well, for years, I mean, before we were having children, I that was one of my concerns too. And I didn't understand how does that work and how do you you know that's isolating your children but it's the total opposite really when you look at it because when when your children are with you and they're going about the day with you and you're interacting with all these people in your life um whether it's you know uh banking or grocery shopping or doing whatever or volunteering or different things or if you have other family friends that need help with things or babysitting to do or anything like that, they are alongside with you and they learn those things with you. They see from our example how we behave, how we serve others, how we communicate with others. And that's very, very important because, for example, <clears throat> homeschoolers have been known to be able to totally have a conversation with an elderly person somebody that is, you know, a retired veteran, perhaps, or somebody that's already an, an elderly person. And also, they know how to change a diaper and play with a baby and not feel weird about it. Um, when you're when they're just in a school setting, and all they're dealing with is like, for example, a whole bunch of 10 year olds are just dealing all day long with a whole bunch of 10 year olds, they're just going to get a lot of information about what other 10 year olds think. <laughs> so it, 
when they go to visit uh, grandparents or they go to be around older people and they're going to have a conversation, they're like, I don't know, or, or they're very quiet or they don't know, they feel shy, they feel um, it's, it's a different sense that you can teach them to be outgoing, to be conversive, to be eloquent when you talk, to be respectful, to have good manners. Um, and so that, that's a very important part. And then when it comes to socializing with other children, that's the, the part of getting together with communities. So here in the United States, almost every state has organizations that are homeschooling organizations. And within them, they have support groups. So there's families that live in, in cities, like three different cities close together, and they all get together and they say, oh, let's, let's do a support group. We have kids that are all the same age. Let's get together every Friday and do uh, picnic time or do sports or do something. And so that's how it begins. But then really strong friendships uh, come from groups like that. Um, so definitely, I, I, I always advise find a good support system. And even if there isn't one, you can start one. You meet another family at a library. You meet a family at the park and you say, oh, what do you think about getting together? Why don't we have a picnic on Friday? We get together and I'll teach the children some rhymes and maybe you can teach them how to you know, uh, play a song or do an art project. Or, and that's how the, the biggest support groups have started just with two families. So it's it's, it's a beautiful thing to see when your child actually feels confident um, and, and has good, strong relationships. Thank you. Uh, so what is the daily life for a homeschooling parents? How much time do you spend on the curriculum and how much time do you allocate for extracurricular activities? So when it comes to time, it, that's something that's obviously very relative. Um, it depends on the person's relation, like their personality and their child's personality. Um, so you put in as much as you put, it, put in. <laughs> it depends. Some parents feel totally overwhelmed because they have to follow everything like this. Or some parents are like, oh, let's see. Oh, we'll wing it. Today we'll do math and science and we'll see how it goes. So it, again, it depends on the type of schooling that you want to do. There's no specific way of doing it. There's no, this is what you do first, or this is what you do second. Um, basically, when, when I encourage new homeschooling families uh, that want to start out and everything, I say, well, you know, first you need to uh, kind of take stock of yourself and say, okay, how do you want to begin your day? And for you to prepare mentally, emotionally, physically for the day ahead of the child. And then that way you have like a head start. And then always at the beginning of your year, you have a calendar, you have some form of a journal or something that you're going to keep so that every day either, I have many friends that they planned out the whole year. They took one week in the summer and they would plan out every single day out so that they had it already done. And some of them worked really well. Most people do maybe a week at a time. So on Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, they get together, they say, oh, okay, we're going to do this class and this class and this class. And then that way the mother or the parent knows what they're doing and the child knows what to expect because the child wakes up and say, okay, oh, breakfast and everything. Okay, now we're going to start with math and now we're going to start with science. Now we're going to start history. It just depends. It depends on what you think that your child would embrace you know, at an early age, how they want, how it's, it's all about the parents and the child 
the way it goes. It doesn't have to be a specific um, setting. Um, a lot of people, their best homeschooling is done in the backyard or uh, over the kitchen table or uh, in the kitchen counter, <laughs> or it, it just depends. There could be a special room in the house. If you have that advantage, it's wonderful to have a room, a school room and everything dedicated for that. But guess what? The kids sometimes, they just wanna be curled up in bed next to you reading a book. So you have a school room over there all set up and you all end up in your bed all curled up, all nice and cozy drinking hot cocoa and mommy reading the book. <laughs> so I would, I never suggest that you spend tons of money um, preparing for something like that because really what you need to decide is the type of schooling that you wanna do for your family and the curriculum that you need. So the day really, it just depends on, on how your family flows. Okay, and uh, another common critique of uh, homeschooling is that the lack of contrast negative experience is commonly occurring in schools would not prepare the child for the real world when they are faced with those similar negative experiences. Uh, what is your view on this? Well, from experience <laughs> and <laughs> from experience and from other people's experience, unfortunately, um, we all have our ideals and, and our expectations of how uh, a specific thing is gonna go. And for example, with homeschooling, it's the same thing. We hope that the group that we get together with uh, once a week or our friends that we make and, and uh, cooperative that we get together for, for certain classes or something, we hope that that's gonna work out to the best and that the children are gonna have great friendships and everybody's gonna be happy and respectful and uh, including each child and everything. But the reality is that in, in any kind of group setting, which is what we're gonna want eventually, at least once, twice, or three times a week, depends on your family. You want your child around other kids, um, around friendships that you know the parents, stuff like that, and you, you enjoy the time. But unfortunately, it's a group setting. So there's children, <laughs> there's attitudes, there's behavior issues, there's, there's still a, 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 maybe on a lesser scale, a type of bullying, a negativism, you know? And your child still has to deal with that. So it's not that they're all of a sudden they're free, they're protected from bad attitudes or mean children, you know, mean little girls and boys that don't want to play with them or call them names or they don't want to share. They still have to learn how to deal with those things. But guess what? Instead of the teacher having to deal with it and not really having the time to put into it because she has 20 other little children to deal with and then sending a letter home to you saying, oh, little Susie has to take care of this and you have to talk to her about this because she has a problem with this. Guess what? You're there. You're, you're around the situation and you realize she comes to you and says, mommy, mommy, this and this happened. Well, you evaluate the situation. You say, okay, so what happened? What did you do? What, what did they do? How could we do this different? Did you get your feelings hurt or did you hurt somebody's feelings? So you have the opportunity right there to discuss and for them to learn how to communicate effectively to make it better, to be good friends, to be forgiving, to be gracious and to ask forgiveness. So a lot of little pride issues, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of compassion, a lot of um, forgiveness. You have the opportunity to teach them how to do that right there, not five hours later at the dinner table when everybody's exhausted and the child already forgot what happened in school. 
Um, so that's one of the, the things you really help them to understand and be able to handle those types of situations on the spot, most likely most of the time. It's not something that, you know, piles up and piles up. So there's still things that they have to deal with and that prepares them for the future. Um, so we need to be active and acknowledge the situation and the feelings instead of just uh, closing our eyes and saying everything's okay. Exactly, exactly. And as parents, we want everything to be okay. And yeah. we never want to admit that my little Johnny hurt you. No, no, no. He must have been tired or, <laughs> oh, he's just hungry or, oh, he didn't mean it. He was playing. No, no, no. You don't excuse bad behavior. You find out what, what is causing the behavior and you address that with patience and gentleness and self-control. But you, you have to get at the root of a situation because if now we're just putting a band-aid on a little problem that can grow to be worse later on. So that's another huge advantage of really being engaged with your child and, and the surroundings of your homeschooling group. Yeah, that's a very, very good idea. So what, what do you think, how we as parents can learn to cherish the daily moments with our children, especially if we homeschool and we are with them together? For me, especially not, not just with homeschooling, but in life in general, it's the days are going by too quickly. <laughs> Time goes by so fast. And I think that especially this year, because of the pandemic, we have been forced to really reevaluate certain things in our lives, um, either because of health issues or because of the constraints put upon us or because of the, so much negativity going on in the world. Um, indecision and, and criticisms, I think it's a perfect opportunity to be able to step back and say, this is what means the world to me. And, and if it's just my four little people in my world, maybe I cannot affect the whole world. Maybe I, my voice isn't big enough to reach everyone. Maybe um, all I can do is what I can do and it's here in my home. And so can I, get bogged down with the mundane, like oh, every day it's the same thing, I have to do this and I have to do that. Or can you look forward to it and say, okay, this is the plan, but if something else comes up, then we'll flow with it. It's okay, just be more accepting, um, more relaxed. I think especially parents, and I'm, I'm speaking as a woman, a mother, <laughs> we put a lot of uh, expectations on ourselves. And if we don't meet those expectations, then we feel like failures. And we feel like we're not doing enough for our family. We're not doing enough for our children. Are, is he really learning what he needs to learn? Is he going to be prepared for the future? Am I ruining him entirely? <laughs> um, but then we realize it's not just about the academics. It has to be about the heart. It has to be about the, the whole body, the whole person, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of those dynamics are so important because we can grow our children to be, you know, Albert Einstein's and have no compassion whatsoever with the world. What good is that going to do? You know, or we can have somebody that's wonderfully giving and giving and giving and selfless, but will be taken advantage of if they don't know certain things in their lives to prepare on how to deal with certain circumstances in their life. So we have the privilege to be able to fill them up with all of these incredible ideals or philosophies or values, principles that we have in our faith. 
and and to help them along and to the point where they don't need us to do that anymore <laughs> that's that's true that's true so true what is missing in the public education and what we as parents and grown-ups grown can do to replace what's missing? Um, again, I really think what's missing is the one-on-one -on -one time that they, the teachers can do it all. They're wonderful. I've known many wonderful teachers. My, my grandson um, actually went to a private school for four years um, before I started homeschooling him. And beautiful teachers, dedicated, compassionate, um, I mean, incredible. But unfortunately, they had constraints on them as well. And, and they had limitations put, put on them. And there was an overflow of students. So how can, how can you really dedicate enough time to 15 children in one classroom? And um, they do the best they can, obviously. Um, but that one-on-one -on -one time, is very important for children that need it because obviously there are children that have some challenges and some that are more advanced. And so it's it's that's what I think. I think a little bit more, and I know that there are some schools that try to um, see the needs in certain students and, and they provide extra classes for them or, or extra help with a teacher's assistance and things like that. So I think more and more th those things are coming up in schools, but, um, I think that that's a huge thing that's missing and that sometimes the children feel lost in, in the crowd, you know, they don't feel that they have their own individuality because they have to be measuring up to somebody else all the time. And that's very stressful for them. I think children have a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress these days that they don't need to have. Is it coming mainly from school or from other sources as well? Well, I mean, obviously, in a school setting, again, you have the peer pressure of the students, uh, the bullying and the criticism, the, the things like that. But also um, when it's like uh, time tests, for example, or I have to get this done and I have to finish and, and I didn't finish this on time. And then, okay, the teacher's like, okay, everybody has to go because you have lunch. And, and then lunch, you only have 20 minutes to sit down and eat. And by the time they get the lunch bag and everything, and then they start eating and then they, have to, they eat so fast. And then, okay, you have 15 minutes to go play and you go and play and everything. And then you have to sit down it's it's exhausting it's exhausting and I, we wouldn't be able to handle it that way as adults in a in, in any kind of a work setting or anything but they are they're ushered from one thing to another to another so there is a very big sense of stress in them more more so these days than before uh, can, can you give parents and teachers that listen to us a couple of educating exercises or games you do with your kids that they can apply so um, gosh, there's so many things. And through the years, we've tried so many different things. One thing that's fun is, is setting, um, setting new concepts to music, like little jingles, like songs. One thing that I, I don't know how it is in different parts um, of the world, but in the United States, all the commercials, when I remember things when I was four years old, <laughs> little jingles of commercials that people were selling stuff or a cereal or chocolate or this and this. And so you remember the jingle. This is how that goes in your head, a little song. So if you start applying those tunes, something similar that they're going to remember to uh, math problems or to a history problem or, or to dates in this and this date, this and this happened. And so you make it fun, something uh, that rhymes or something that has a sing song to it. And um, 
you know, if they enjoy it, then find that and then say, okay, this is how we're going to try learning that. Um, also, board games are very good, um, strategic games that they can play, not just the ones that you roll the dice and try your luck kind of thing, more like, okay, Hey, if I do this, then this is going to happen. Then it, this is going to happen, and and working together like that. Chess is an incredible, wonderful game. <laughs> Obviously, uh, very strategic. Um, and a lot of the drawing, drawing uh, through learning, like learning what draw what they're learning as they're as you're reading to them and stuff, and then they draw what they think that they're hearing. You know, of a, of a specific story. Um, there's just just so many. There's, I mean. The internet is full of wonderful ideas, <laughs> much better than I. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Thanks, but you're speaking from experience. Well. Yeah, yeah. It's been many years, but it's it's and each child is different. Sometimes what works with one child does not work with the other one. That's true. So you That's have true. to be flexible. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like you have tons of valuable information from experience. I enjoy talking <laughs> with you so much. Uh, I'd like to ask you what influences and memories in your childhood made you this amazing person you are today, passionate about educating your own children and help others? Um, I think the most important influence and, and the most special person in my life was my mother. Um, she uh, was born in Colombia, South America, and she, she was a nurse there. She became a nurse and she was very giving and and selfless and she taught my my family that she taught my sister and i that and she was a perfect example of how to be open-minded about so many things um how to always want to learn continue learning she she always said i'm i haven't arrived i haven't arrived yet <laughs> there's so much more and she was fascinated with astronomy and and space and um spirituality so many wonderful things that um you know growing up i thought oh yeah that's cool and everything but once i had my own children and once um having gone through certain years of homeschooling and now at the age that i am i'm i'm fascinated with her and i recall all of these things that that she taught me and things that she would say and and the way she lived her life before us so that definitely gave me um, more confidence to be able to do what, what I've done and what I continue to do and to want to learn more. So beautiful. Um, what, what advice, what are the best advice you, you would like to give to the parents who are about to start the homeschooling journey? Well, definitely um, the main thing is to make the decision for the right reasons, figure out why um, you want to take on this journey, um, make sure, like I said before, that you are, uh, you know, you have a team effort together. Um, and then um, once you have set those goals, once you have realized, okay, this is why, and this is what we want to do, then try to develop, try to figure out what style am I going to follow? Do I just want to start out the first year by following what the schools do? Um, depending on the age of your child, depending if they've gone to school or they haven't, you know, if this is, if you're just going to start out from, you know, they're a baby and preschool and everything, they're never going to go to school, then you're, you have a blank slate, you know, you decide how it's going to go. So developing the style, like how do you feel that, that your child will best adapt or accept what you have to teach them? Um, 
And then number three, which obviously after you make the decision, it's very important. Wherever you're living, you need to know the laws because definitely we need to be following the laws. We want to be on the right side of the law. <laughs> um, so, for example, in the United States, um, and obviously now with everything online, you can find out so much information. Everything is, is really um, stressed uh, state by state. Um, but there's, you know, the, the U.S. Department of State has state.gov and has tons of information on homeschooling, virtual learning, online education. Um, one excellent resource is, and this I think applies also internationally because they have offices internationally, is the HSLDA.org, which is Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And it's an excellent resource. They have so much information and um, you can, um, through membership with them, um, you can they they can represent you if in case there's any ever any problems with the authorities or any questions about your schooling methods or anything like that they definitely they know all the ins and outs of the legal system when it comes to that so that's that's a definitely really great um, resource um and then once you realize what uh, like in for example in the uk that's where you are correct uh in the uk yeah Yes, so there is, uh, I saw a, a website, um, gov.uk, and that has educating at home, and it has all the information, what you should do, how do you need to register, how do you withdraw your child from schooling. Um, so once, once you get past all the legalities and you find out, um, you know, that you're, uh, you're keeping up to date with everything that's required of you, then, then after that, you, I feel you're more prepared you don't want to do it the other way around and start homeschooling and say oh i didn't know about this and i didn't know it was illegal or what i had to do um so for example i know that uh in australia canada new zealand and obviously the united states it's very widely accepted um and encouraged um but it is illegal it says <laughs> in the netherlands germany spain and sweden they're very stringent on their education process in Sweden, especially. So it just depends on the country that you live in, but there's there's many different ways that you can find out, obviously, depending where you live. <laughs> of course. Okay, uh, I'd like to thank you for all the wonderful information you, you, you gave us and to meet in our audience. And maybe I'd like to meet again and speak on how to analyze our child's learning style so we can tailor our teaching style for the best results. And uh, thanks yeah, for being I'd here. I'd love to. Thanks love for being to. Thank here you. and sharing your wisdom. Uh, wish you all the best in the future and take care. Thank you very much. I definitely appreciate being asked and, and I hope everything was helpful and I'll look forward to speaking with you soon. It was a pleasure. It was very helpful. Thank you. Thank you.